Good morning, uh, Brother Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, turn with me in uh, your Bibles to John chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 27 through 45. John chapter 4, verses 27 through 45. We'll be looking at the harvest. As you're turning there, um, I want to make you aware of our uh, connection card that's in our bulletin. Uh, next week, uh, we're scheduled to have a Membership Matters class, so if you're interested in membership here at Wyatt, uh, that takes place during the Sunday school hour and for an hour or two uh, after uh, the service. Uh, we feed you both breakfast and lunch. Um, if you're interested in that class or receiving more information about that class and, and becoming a member, uh, there's a place uh, on that card where you can sign. Also, you can put prayer requests if you're a first-time guest or uh, or just uh, haven't been or have been coming but hadn't let us know more about yourself you can also do that on the connection card put that in the offering plate uh, as it comes by again later uh, we would love to, to to have a record of your visit or uh, to receive those prayer requests of things that are going on in all of your lives it's a great way for you to communicate to us as pastors so just to grab the the, the context here if you weren't here last week um, in John chapter 4, we have this, um, this conversation uh, of Jesus uh, with the Samaritan woman at the well. And what happens is he talks to her about thirst and, and about uh, eternal life. And, and at the end, he finally reveals to her that, hey, I am the Messiah. She mentions uh, the Messiah's coming and he, he says, hey, I'm here. It's me. I, the one that's speaking to you. I am the Messiah. And so that's where we're picking up uh, in verse 27. It says, Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into, the, into town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that uh, sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor, Others have labored and you have, have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we <coughs> And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him 
having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. And so what we have here is Jesus commenting on the harvest of souls, of, of looking around us and seeing that there are people who need the gospel. He saw it in this woman, and now he wants his disciples to see, to look up from, from what they're concerned with and to see the need of the multitude to come to know Christ. And so he teaches us about the harvest and the nature of the harvest. And I believe the, the actions that we see in the Samaritan woman here very much parallel with Jesus' teaching here uh, about the harvest. And so I want us to look at four things concerning the harvest this morning. First is that the harvest is an important work. As Jesus' disciples returned, they had been uh, it says earlier in, in chapter 4, they had been looking for food. They had gone in to, further in to buy food, and Jesus waited there at the well uh, to meet this Samaritan woman. It had been a while since they had eaten. eaten. And they, they had, in loving concern uh, about their master, they knew that it had been a while since Jesus uh, had eaten. It's kind of like they were kind of being the grandma, right? You're, you go to see your grandma, and she just stuffs you full of food, she's worried about you eating enough. I mean, they're in, in loving kindness. They want to make sure their, their master is healthy, make sure he has the energy he needs to do his ministry, and so they're lovingly wanting him to eat. They're concerned. So they begin, uh, so Jesus basically says, hey, I've got food that you don't know anything about. And, and Jesus really, it seems like this keeps happening to Jesus, right? He keeps, he'll talk about spiritual things and people get caught up in the physical. So the disciples, when he says, I have food that you don't know about, he begins to think, well, did somebody else bring him some food? Who, who does he know here in Samaritan, Samaria that, that would bring him food? Like, who did this? And so he clarifies, as Jesus has to do often, uh, with the people that aren't understanding what he says, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to, compli- uh, to accomplish his work. So what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that food is bad? Is he saying that food is bad? Is he saying that we should all just skip all of our meals and go witness? It would probably, we'd probably lose some weight if we did that, right? But he's not saying food's bad. He's going to need food to continue in his ministry, right? I mean, food gives us energy. So food is not a bad thing. It is a gift of God. What I think he's saying is like this. It's, hey, man, I got other things on my mind right now. I'm not even worried about food. Have you ever been caught up in a project? Maybe currently you're trying to get that deer stand built uh, before the opening day. And so, man, you get caught up. You forget to eat. I remember when we moved uh, to our house, uh, Crystal had some honeydew lists, and one of the things she wanted me to do was build uh, uh, some built-in bunk beds in the kids' room, and I'd never done anything like that, and so for, for days and, and, and probably long weeks, it became about that project of making that, that built-in bunk beds that my wife uh, wanted, and I remember just not, not even worrying about eating, just getting the project became my appetite, the project, I was so engaged in getting that job done that food took a back seat. I would just end up skipping meals because I wanted to get the project done and I wouldn't even notice it. And I think that's what's happening here with Jesus is 
is that he's so, he just had this amazing conversation with the Samaritan woman that so desperately needed his gospel and his work in her life that, man, I can't think about food right now. That'll come later. I'll get hungry later, but right now, man, I'm being able to be engaged with a broken woman to see her come to know me. It was all that had mattered. What in the world was food in a moment like that? We see a similar situation with the Samaritan woman, do we not? It says, notice here what the Samaritan woman did immediately after uh, her conversation with Jesus. It says in verse 28, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. The, the woman left her water jar. I mean, prior to this, she was obsessed with getting some water. I mean, she, Jesus was trying to take her in this spiritual conversation. She kept coming back to physical water. And he started talking about quit, uh, quenching her thirst. And all she could think about, you got water where I don't have to be thirsty again? Where I don't have to come back to this well? Give me that water. She was consumed with her thirst and the desire just to get the water that she came to get. And yet, we see here that she left her water jar. She left it. She wasn't concerned about her thirst anymore. She wasn't concerned if she had water. She'll get the water later. She had bigger fish to fry. There were more important things to get, about, get on about than a drink of water. She had people to tell about Jesus. Through Jesus' words and the woman's actions, we see the great importance of being about the Father's work. Sure, Jesus would need to eat later. Sure, the lady would need water to drink later. But right now, the important thing was to do the will of God, and that was to seize this moment and bring many Samaritans to God. Do we see the importance of being about the Father's business? Do we see the importance of telling others about Jesus? Do we really? Or do we let the worries of food, the worries of clothes and cars and mortgages choke out our enthusiasm for what is the most and should be the most important thing and that is the work of God do we truly truly see it as an important work as a work that has our priority next we're going to see that the harvest is an urgent work it says in verse 35 do you not say there are yet four months then comes the harvest look I tell you lift up your eyes and see that the fields uh, are, are white for harvest. Jesus is making a point here that, is that there's a brief moment of harvest. That there's a moment, there's a window of harvesting. Okay, you wait, uh, you, get, you go to harvest too early, your food's not right. If you wait too late, it's fallen on the ground or the birds have taken it. Uh, this year, we had a, uh, a, a pretty good garden. In fact, we had a bumper crop 
of tomatoes and other things and and man we just had ice chests full of the stuff and and so it was just a huge run of of stuff and we were dealing uh, cannon and all of that good stuff until we were exhausted and then it kind of slowed down so then I just kind of we had plenty so I just kind of had ended up neglecting it I went out there the other day I realized that some of the plants had continued to produce I was like hey great I, I'll I'll get a few more and then go out there and and I start grabbing those tomatoes and the thumb just keeps going in, right? No, that's not going to make a good BLT. Go over there to the peppers and, and I pick them and realize that the insects have already made their home in those peppers, realizing I, I waited too late. I missed my window. And that's what Jesus is saying when it comes to the harvest of souls, that there is a window, that it will not last forever. We have been given this time to reach people. Who knows how long we get to be here. We also must realize that people are dying every day. People that are dying never having heard the gospel in many nations and places. Not one word of scripture in their language. Every day, opportunities pass us by that, that may never come again. Jesus is saying, look up and look around. Don't say, one day I'll reach others for Christ, or maybe when I become a little more learned, or maybe when I'm more secure in my career and have a little more time. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you've been running around looking for food. Look up for a minute. Look at this town, look at this city, look at these Samaritans that you're just passing by that so desperately need the gospel. We see this really in the Samaritan woman. We see her practicing this. She has a sense of urgency. So the woman left her water jar again, and a sense of urgency. I'm, I'm not going to even go get my jar back to my house I'm just going to leave the water jar at the well and went away into town and said to the disciples come see a man who told me that I all that I ever did can this be the Christ so they went out of the town and were coming to him again we see she left the jar in haste but we also see she was going to get right to the business of telling other people about Jesus she wasn't going to go and enroll in a Bible study first. She wasn't going to take an evangelistic seminar first. She was immediately going to trumpet. The only thing, the only fact she knew was that this man is special and you need to come check him out. I mean, she asked the question to the people, can this be the Christ? So is she still unsure of his identity? Is she still working through the conversion experience? Is she unconverted? I think she's convinced. I think she's convinced of his identity. But man, what if they start asking questions? What? She doesn't know all the answers. She just got a brief uh, interview with Jesus, and she knows he's special. And she believes that he's the Messiah, but she doesn't want to deal with it. She doesn't know enough yet. And so all she does is just does what she's able to do, and that is ring the bell to say, look, everyone, 
everyone grab your attention for a moment. Go see that man. Go see what he has to say. She, uh, she knew that she knew very little at this point, but she knew that she could get people's attention. She reminds me of the blind man uh, who's going to be healed in John 9. And uh, he's, he's healed of blindness, and so they begin to, to question him about Jesus. And I love what he says. He says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. The, the blind man says, I don't know much here. I do know this. I was blind a few seconds ago, and when I met this man, I can see. You go figure it out for yourself. And that's essentially what this woman just, she, told, she says, hey, he told me everything about me. And it, he, there's no way for him to have known about me. So go and, and talk to him. She just wanted to connect people to this man in the city. She didn't want to wait. He may be gone. He may, he may leave the well and head out of town. She wanted them she wanted the people who she lived in the midst of to go and see this man. So I ask us, do we walk with an urgency to share the gospel with others? Do we see the immediate call of the Christian life is, it is evangelism? This Samaritan woman saw that. Jesus certainly seemed to be teaching us to be urgent in our desire to see people come to Christ. People are dying every day. And one day Christ will return. And so we must realize that there's a window here in our life. First of all, our life is a window, but there's also just a, a window between the finished work of Christ on the cross and, and His resurrection and when He returns. There's a window here that we're dealing with and we need to take it seriously. Jesus is saying, be urgent about it. It's time. Now is the time of evangelism. We also see that the harvest is a joyful work. Look what it says in verse 36. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. Evangelism is something that, that may fill us with fear, right? It's that putting ourselves out there to someone else, uh, we wonder what someone might think. We will, will we mess it up? Will we get the gospel wrong and, and hurt their view of the gospel? Yet, Jesus paints a very joyful picture of evangelism. Not something to be feared, but something to be happy about the privilege of doing. The, out, the act of helping others find their way to God is not just a work that brings glory to God. It is a work that brings joy and it rewards us. It says receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. We serve a God who rewards. It says here, receives, receiving wages. So does that mean that He's going to reward us with money? He's going to pay us? So if we go out and we evangelize and people get saved, we'll get like a check in the mail? Uh, no, that's, that's not... Uh, what this is promising. That's not the kind of wages he's promising. But the Bible could not be more clear that we serve a God who is in no way 
bashful about rewarding those who love and to serve, serve Him. Hebrews eleven six. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. It's part of His identity. It may not come in the form of checks in the mail, but it will come in an eternal reward that is so much better than any paycheck we've ever received from our earthly employer. We see that it's gathering fruit for eternal life. When we proclaim Christ, we are doing a work that is an eternal work. So much of what we do on the earth, it feels temporary, doesn't it? The second the paycheck gets put in the bank, it seems like the paycheck is leaving the other places. And yet, the work we do, we, the, the, the work that we are called to do in proclaiming Christ to others is a work whose fruit has no expiration date. The lives brought to Christ through our efforts will enjoy Christ forever, and therefore we will not just enjoy Christ, we will enjoy those people enjoying Christ for all of eternity. The great privilege to be able to see someone like this Samaritan woman that was broken and now is a worshiper of Christ and just being able to say, I was a small part of that. They're here because God gave me the privilege of proclaiming His Gospel to them. That is something that has no expiration date but that we will enjoy for all of eternity. I love what it says here in verse 36, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. In Luke 15, we have three parables. Uh, the parable of the lamb, the lost lamb that's found, the parable of the lost coin that is found, the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son that is found. And, and the similarities we have in each one of those is getting, a point, the, getting to the point that heaven is celebrating when a lost person comes to Christ. That there is a, every soul that comes to Christ, there is a celebration in heaven. And we are invited here in the, to that celebration that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. We're in, invited into that amazing celebration. We see that in the Samaritan woman. When, when we first see the Samaritan woman, we see a woman broken. A woman that is timid, that is trying to sneak to the well without being noticed. But now we see her as a champion of the message of Christ. This multitude is so taken by her pro proclamations that they come to Christ and many believe in Christ. In verse 42, they say to her, we believe because we've seen for ourselves. I mean, they're going through, they're crediting her, saying, hey, you told us to come, but we're not just believing in it because of what you said. Now we're believing in it because of what we're learning from Jesus. Can you imagine this broken, married, five times divorcee is sitting there and these people are saying, thank you. Thank you for bringing us to Christ. We, we see it. We see the beauty of Christ. From the timid serial adulterer to the champion witness of Christ, 
for the Samaritan people, do you not think that her heart was about to burst with joy? Certainly Christ had fulfilled that promise in becoming in her a fountain of joy. Folks, this, is, uh, this has been a text that's convicted me. I think it should convict us all. Do I? Do we truly see the value of proclaiming Christ? Do we take joy in it as we should? You think about what it means to make a disciple of Christ. You have changed not the day of a person, not the week of a person, not the, the month of a person, not even the year of a person. You have changed the eternal destiny of a person. Think about the privilege, the joy that we have the honor of being engaged in such a beautiful thing as the harvest of souls to God. What a privilege, what a a joy. Do we really see it for the joy that it is? And lastly, the harvest is a shared work. Jesus teaches his disciples here that the work of the harvest is not theirs alone, but that many have sowed what they are now being called to reap. So he says in verse 37, for the saying, here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So, so what does this mean? Uh, who are the sowers? Well, the seeds of the gospel have been being planted throughout the Old Testament even. The sowers are the prophets, the, the sowers are Moses, the, the sowers are uh, the faithful priests who who would sacrifice and, and to show the shedding of blood that was going to point to Christ. That there was just uh, the, the faithful people that were faith, the, the, the people that were faithful to God throughout time had planted seeds of the gospel. Most of all, God Himself had sown seeds in the hearts of people. I think even about this Samaritan woman's knowledge. I mean, despite the fact that the Samaritans had so corrupted the Jewish religion that it was almost beyond recognition, and yet, in verse 25, she had enough knowledge to say, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Like, like that. at least that nugget had survived all the corruption to where she came to a point where she said, hey, I know the Christ is coming, which gives Christ the opportunity to say, I'm the Christ. I'm Him. And again, we, we see she, she, she simply rang the bell. She simply, she simply spoke what she knew. And, and, and God had been doing a work. And you, you think just suddenly... Like, that was the first time that the Spirit had worked in the hearts of those people? No, God had laid the groundwork in the heart of these Samaritan people so that when they heard her message, they would say, let's go learn about Jesus. So they went to Jesus, and then their hearts were awoken to the beauty of Jesus. It was a groundwork that had been laid possibly for generations. 
And it was only her faithfulness. All she had to do was to be faithful, to carry what she knew, what little she knew to the people that God had prepared to receive that little nugget that she was bringing to them and respond to it. We need to realize that the work of the harvest does not rest solely or even primarily on us. That God is doing a work in the hearts of people. Now if this was true in this moment, I mean think about now, we have, this is before Christ completed the work of the cross. I mean this is, Christ completes the work of the cross. I mean man, you talk about sowing. That is the, the finished work of Christ is the sowing beyond sowing. That seed is just ready to burst forth. If we would be the reapers that would go out and share with people the truths of the, the cross, that, that Christ, though we were sinners, though we deserved death, laid down His life on the cross in our place so that all who believe would receive redemption, would receive forgiveness, and, and would be clothed in the righteousness of Christ and be brought back to God. Those seeds have been planted. Those seeds are in the hearts of people. And sometimes it just takes a faithful Christian to just go and to water those seeds a little bit and they'll spring forth to life. We're not on our own. When we are convicted to share Christ with someone, we need to realize that God's been doing a work in that person's life. And if they, it's not up to you. It's not up to you. You just be faithful and see what God's been doing and, and His Spirit's been doing in that person's life. You're not on your own. God in His eternal purposes sows all kinds of seed in each generation. His Spirit is working in the lives of people from their birth to sow the seeds of the Gospel in their heart so that faithful Christians who will be reapers of the Gospel will see uh, themselves participate in the great work of the harvest. I'm going to ask for our musicians to come. I'm going to ask you to please stand. Folks, there's a harvest that's happening. We live in this window of time between the resurrection of Christ and His second coming, and there's work to do. There's important work to do. There's a urgent work to do. There's a joyful work to do. And there's a work, work that God has not left us alone to do, but He is working as well. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to be a people that seek to to love others, to, to love God, to love others, and to make disciples of all nations? Are we going to be active participants in this work? A call to be a Christian is a call to be engaged in that work. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, thank You for the work of the harvest, for allowing us to be Your reapers. God, you have done so, you've done the hardest part of the work. God, all you've called us to do is ring a bell of proclamation like this Samaritan woman. God, help us 
to be people that go into the world with a sense of urgency and importance and joyfulness in getting the privilege to proclaim you to others. God, help us to love you, to love others, and to make disciples of the nations. In Jesus' name 